When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It's Monday, January 22nd. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. And as usual, immediately after our, our prior podcast, we had news break, and I'm sure something will happen this week. Uh, but Yeah, the big one was Jonathan the, Bonner's the big unexpected yes. fifth-year return it, it, it for was, an hour. And it's, uh, and it's significant that Jonathan Bonner is back on the depth chart, a returning starter. Gives Notre Dame depth along with Jerry Tillery's decision to come back. Uh, but Notre Dame has a new safeties coach. I don't think that Notre Dame has announced it yet, but the rest of the world has. Terry Joseph hired a safeties coach. He was at North Carolina. Prior to that, Texas A&M, Nebraska, Tennessee. So a pretty well-rounded resume. And Notre Dame's still looking for offensive line coaches, and we'll talk about that. Or one offensive line coach, we'll talk about that further um, I guess also since last week we had the four players suspended. Is that correct? Yep. It all just kind of runs together, folks. Yeah. So it's a little that hard was to determine podcast, when it, it was after that yeah. podcast. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But let's start with, uh, and of course, Nordian basketball, which is uh, really struggling right now with its roster, let alone the ability to play well. But uh, let's start, guys, with, with Terry Joseph. Uh, one year at North Carolina, a guy that's bounced around a little bit, but that's the case with virtually every assistant coach out there um pete what what do you have on terry joseph i he's got some some good resume lines in terms of the stages that he's been on which i like because coming to Notre Dame shouldn't be that big of a deal for him um you know it's not like he's making a big jump up in prestige or pressure or just sort of the eyeballs that are on you so that's good I thought that they would try to hire a guy with some coordinator experience for this position um it didn't work out that way. And a name that uh, Barton Simmons at 24-7 had floated was Durante Jones, uh, more of an NFL guy, was with the Dolphins. I believe he overlapped with Clark Lee at UCLA, um, but ended up taking a job with the Bengals. So uh, it goes down to Joseph. Uh, Alabama took a look at him. Um, you know, he's been at Nebraska, Tennessee, uh, good football family out of New Orleans, at, you know, we're always looking for connections, right? And there isn't really one to Brian Kelly here. Uh, if you really, if really want to go deep cut on this, you could say that Terry Joseph was a GA under Bo Pelini at LSU, and now he'll be coaching Patrick Pelini, uh, walk on at Notre Dame. That's about it. But, um, you know, known as a good recruiter, maybe not a, a great recruiter. I don't think you're hiring like Tony Alford uh, 2.0 here, but I. 
they needed a second coach in the secondary because I think giving that position to Todd Light uh, by himself is is would be a mistake of allocating resources. Well, Todd Light admitted or, or offered that it was difficult when he had to coach safeties and cornerbacks his first year here. He, he admitted he just noted, no, this is great having. Another reason it's great having Coach Elko is because now I can focus on the cornerbacks, and I think that's, he's I, ideally suited for coaching one of the positions. And yeah, if if you look at position coach hires, not including coordinators, there's there's kind of the unimpeachable of the past when you get for resumes. I'm saying not opinions. When you get Bob Elliott and Harry Heastan, you look at you know we have a guy that was an offensive line coach in the Super Bowl and Heastan, um, and then this is a, a veteran hire. There's you have guys like Gilmore Alexander and now Joseph. Up-and-coming guys along the lines of Clark Lee, LaFleur, and Sanford when they were hired. So this is, it's, I don't know what the definition of home run hire is, but this is a good, solid resume hire, and it fills the need. Yeah, that term of home run grants. I guess Bob Elliott is what you could say would be. Bob Elliott's a guy where it's hard to argue. You get a guy with 30 years of experience coming in with staff relationships. That's about the only home run hire. I'm not questioning that, but I think we tend to, we want to attach that phrase to every coach, whether, you know, is he a home run hire or isn't he a home run hire, and I think that that's, a little overplayed. Apparently, his cousin is Vance Joseph, the, the head coach at, with, with the Denver Broncos. And I just think it's—I just want to throw out a, like a little bit of a warning that you know we can't just look at a resume and say, "Okay, great choice." Sometimes you can, but I, I don't think you can always do that. And here's an example. I mean, he was at Tennessee. His first year at Tennessee, they had 18 interceptions. Uh, second year, they had nine. And if you go through the, if you look at his year-by-year resume, five interceptions at Texas A&M in 2014, uh, 14 at Nebraska in 2013. I just think we have, it's, it's very difficult to just look at a resume. You know, what you're you're talking about, Tim, when you're talking about about when it's that stuffed of a resume. Uh, But this is a guy who's got a reputation as a good recruiter. Um, You're going to look at how North Carolina's secondary did against Ian Book last well, October. I two interceptions. I tell you what, with the, taking that out of it, I like how Notre, I liked how North Carolina's secondary challenged Notre Dame's wide receivers and didn't get much back from them. No, that's true, and and that, and that was kind of my yeah. point that they did play they played Notre Dame's uh, you know receivers pr- pretty well, but you had a backup quarterback yeah. in there. That's why I'm just saying and my, he had a receiver that quits on rounds, so that helps. You did have that, and if you got physical with him, he he. There was that time Chase Claypool buried one of the uh, defensive backs in the end zone. Lest, lest we forget that he's an unhirable coordinator coach. Then, <laughs> I, and I, Tim, you I, know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, no, it's like I don't know how else to look at it other than you know stats and production. But I also don't know how much that even matters when you've been here for one year or two years or one year. You know, he hasn't really been in a spot where he's taken a guy from freshman and developed him all the way through. Um. But I think that's sort of where Notre Dame is right now. When you have a head coach going into year nine, you're just looking for a guy who can come in and be a good teacher right now, opposed to, well, we need a guy who can find diamonds in the rough in recruiting and then turn him into <laughs> he might not be a long around long starter. enough. He's not going to be here that long. Uh, t- okay, here's a this is a, another point that I'm trying to get to. You can't judge this guy until, I mean, personally, I want to see him coach on the field. Now we're not going to get a ton of opportunities. We may get some in the spring. We will get a handful in August. But you want to see how he coaches, how he interacts, what the players have to say about him. I don't think you can, I don't think you can just look at a piece of paper and say good coach, bad coach, unless it's really extensive, like you're saying, Tim, as it relates to a guy like Bobby Elliott. Positive news either way, though. Great, we're doing the plus-minus ledger. Last time, there's some minuses since. Remember we were listing the pluses and minuses of the off season. That's a good hire. Minuses. 
guess we all knew Stefferson was gone. Uh, I was surprised that C.J. Holmes was included on that list. Well, on D.M. McIntosh, I mean, at least at that when I we would, first heard the news, right. I, we were surprised yeah. at it. And then Tiasso, I mean, generally a, uh, an older guy. I, I, I mean, he'll get an opportunity to get his degree from Notre Dame. You would think, yeah. I mean, um, he's not in a position where I think they were trying to run him out of the school. Right, um, but and, there were too many boxes unchecked yeah. would be the and I way think to... My, I get the sense that all four of them are still enrolled. At least, you know, they all came back for the second semester. I mean, Kelly so. mentioned about Stepperson. I hope he can stay in schools to ease his transfer somewhere else if he goes somewhere else. That, yeah. That's about as telling as it gets. Yeah, so it's like, I don't think Holmes is the only real surprise. McIntosh is a mild surprise just because we don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, Holmes has barely been here long enough to get dismissed. And it's like, there is... We don't know all the details in this, um, so it's difficult to be like, well, this is a weird, this precedent doesn't fit with what happened with Alize Mack or Michael Floyd or other guys who have had issues in the past, but it does seem like a pretty quick zero to dismissal for C.J. Holmes. Um, I guess I'll just sit here and wait it out and reserve judgment on like whether that whether he will return here or return somewhere else or, or what happens to him next. Well, I, I, you know, one of the things I wrote is this, I mean, Brian Kelly can talk the talk, but does he walk the walk? You kind of get the impression that he's doing that with this decision. I mean, Deion McIntosh wasn't around that long. We weren't aware of a... I guess I'm not shocked because he was suspended and sent home from a bowl game, so he knew something happened. No, I agree, but do you know of anything else that... No, I don't think that there is anything else, which is which is part of the surprise. So he's walking the walk. He's he's, if he's talking about traits all fall, he's He's, applying those traits uh, upon the conclusion of the season. To backups. To backups. Yeah, I was gonna say you mentioned Michael Floyd. Let's Let's at least note that. I'll give you precedent on Michael Floyd. The next time somebody as good as Michael Floyd does something wrong, he's probably not going to walk the walk immediately. Correct. I don't have a problem with it all. No, I don't. Either. It's just the way the world works. But it it's is like, part of major college coaching. Um, I guess, let's get back into the coaching aspect. As a defensive back has been filled, offensive line has not. Um, Which you suspected in the last podcast is going to take a little bit longer. I, I did. Um, I guess I feel like the probably a job that will be decided upon today. I don't know if we'll be able to break it today, but I was told the final interview was yesterday. I believe that was Jeff Quinn, who was the in-house candidate, that runs following interviews with Bob Bostad from Wisconsin, Joe Gilbert from the Colts, and Justin Fry from Boston College. Uh, it's my Jeff Quinn from Buffalo? Jeff Quinn from Buffalo, yeah. It's my understanding that at least Gilbert and Fry met or interacted with some of Notre Dame's current offensive linemen which isn't like a tip of this guy was leading it. I think that's just part of the interview process, so the players have some ownership in who they're choosing, particularly at a position where I don't think you would just foist somebody on Alex Barbas and Sam Muster and be like, here's your new coach. Especially um, with offensive yeah, line, just, right? I mean, it's, it's not good man management. Different world. Yeah, it's the whole position. It is. Different world. It and really it's is. A, they're, yeah, it's like they're an they're a entity unto, unto yeah. themselves. Yeah. So I, I don't know where this is going to end. I said this on our message board if I had a vote. I'd vote for, for Bostad from Wisconsin just based on his mix of being the offensive line coach at Wisconsin, I think, for four or five years, but then also two years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and two years with the Tennessee Titans as a full-time offensive line coach there. Yeah, and I, I think, again, you know, we talk about looking at resumes. Okay, why is Bob Bostad, why didn't he come back as an offensive line coach? He's linebacker's coach. Well, 
you have to look a little bit deeper than deeper than that. And uh, what's his name? Pete Joe um, Gilbert. No, um, Rudolph, the offensive line. Yeah, Joe Rudolph, the offensive line coach. Oh, at Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. I mean, this is a guy that's associate head coach, offensive coordinator, and offensive line coach. So you weren't going to bring both staff back into the equation and unseat uh, Joe Rudolph. So <clears throat> that that at least partially explains that situation. And you know, if you're both at, I'm sure you're very eager to get back to coaching offensive line. So the the Notre Dame job would be appealing. But I don't think. <clears throat> I mean, I think Bostat and I, who has a, a deeper resume, is a little bit older than Justin Fry. I don't. My point is, I, I like both choices, based upon looking at resumes, I guess. But uh, I like both choices, and Justin Fry's a little bit younger. Uh, has done a good job at Boston College. You know, the interesting dynamic we said the offensive line is an entity unto itself. Starting with Martin and Watt, they have continuously talked about how it's just a chain of learning by example on and off the field. It was Martin and Watt down to Nick Martin to McGlinchey and Nelson, and now it's to Bars and Mustafer, and that was all Harry Heastand. It was all in Scotston Harry Heastand. So that's a challenge coming in as the new guy, too, to continue to understand that you are continuing something these players really hold in high regard. That mm-hmm. like Quentin Nelson last August mentioned Zach Martin and Chris Watt. That's just, that's different. You're never going to get a wide receiver running back talking about the guy that's been gone. He didn't have anything to do with Zach Martin. Right. You know, that, that's just a, it's it's a family. It's it an is. extended and, family, and it remains an extended family. And you hope that that dynamic can remain. It's not the most important thing, but it is It is a dynamic you have to learn to, I think, deal with as the next coach coming in after he stand. Okay, November November was a foggy month for me, but I do remember telling you guys that jo- I said Jonathan Bonner didn't close the door you did say that, on yeah. coming back. I, I, didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't read that into what he told the Observer. And maybe, you know, maybe his situation changed. Uh, you know, I don't know. Kind of like, you know, Ron Paulison, you said there was no chance of him coming back for a fifth year. Jonathan Bonner's back. Jerry Tillery's back. The depth chart looks the way it did last year in the interior defensive line. Plus, you're bringing in some some good ball players in the freshman class. Changes a little bit what we talked about, that Jay Hayes would most likely move inside. Most likely will not have to move inside. There's, it's not a need. Now. It's not a need anymore. And Jonathan Bonner, just for and I, I was kind of putting this in the Monday column today. He had 13 stuffs on the year. Jonathan Bonner tackles within two, two yards of scrimmage. Seven came after the Wake Forest game. Wow. He is one of the few guys that actually did not wear down and play poorly after that game. So I mean, that's a nice effort in games against Miami, Navy, Stanford, and LSU to kind of play. That's true. Your better ball of your college. How much career. did Tagovailoa Mosa play during that time? I mean, he he played liberally, so I'm sure yeah. that 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 helped. And I hope that MTA. But I mean, that's part of it. He was he Bonner maintained a hold on the job, even though MTA had been right. surging. You know, that yeah. was no. That's that's it's a good point, and it's a good situation for Notre Dame. Um, you know, still hopeful. With Darnell Yule at, at nose tackle, you got Adam Alola coming in. You have Franklin coming in. You have Jacob Lacey, who's already verbally committed a three technique for the following year. It is becoming a strength for Notre Dame, and it, it's it's really great that you can bring two veterans back in the middle of that defensive line. I hope it doesn't stunt the growth of MTA and Heinish. I but, think it's the one position you don't worry about stunted growth because you need as many as you can possibly. Yeah, get. well, I would I would yeah. agree, and it's good that you know it's great to have a rotation there. Um, I think it's important. I agree with you there, Tim. Yeah, so 10 stars back, 
nine of your top 10 defensive linemen, your entire secondary, two deep or three deep, depending on how you want to look at it, and your two leading tacklers. I, Who's going to have a better defense, Clark Lee or Mike Elko next year? Clark Lee. He's got I think it's going to be Clark yeah. Lee. Um, there's reason to think that Notre Dame has more talent on defense than offense, and that to be a compliment to Notre Dame at large right now. Which yes. is Which is pretty... Remarkable considering where they were even just at this time last year when we talked about that defense. I mean, I, I think when we do sort of our top ten players, it was it was tough last year to find guys on defense to really include in that list. We had Julian Love and Niles Morgan, right? And yeah. Love was the guy at the ten range because you figured yeah. he'd keep and now, going. And now it's tough to find him on the offensive side. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the offense took the hit with... With EQ and Josh Adams leaving in the defense. And Stefferson. Yeah. And, and Stefferson and defense, tremendous beneficiary of not only the two tackles, but Drew Tranquil, which, I mean, that we, we tend to forget about that because it came earlier than we thought it, it would, but uh, it's huge. Now, where Tranquil ends up, does he end up at Buck? You know, that's probably one of the more interesting things going into the spring is the alignment and the depth chart at linebacker, including Rover. I mean, I think that will still be tranquil moves inside, unless Clark Lee had a completely different opinion of what than Mike Elko did. But I feel like Mike Elko's opinion was formed by Clark Lee's opinion, and hmm. as right. as I said, like I talked to Drew Tranquil about it one on one at the bowl, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd like to move inside. That's where I'd play at the yeah. next level. I think it will help our defense." I, you didn't expect that answer from him, did you? I mean, I did because I knew. Oh, okay. I knew like it was like that. I knew that had been, had been discussed. discussed. Okay. And I, I was I was more curious like whether they were going to admit it. Yeah, um, and he was like, "Yeah, well, that's something I definitely would like." And to do. certainly, then it certainly makes the rover position um, very interesting. I still think Jonathan Jones, you know, if Jonathan Jones can show something this spring, maybe that gives him a little bit of flexibility with Tranquil. Can Tranquil play both? I mean, I wouldn't. I would imagine that he could situationally. I guess I don't think that they would do that. They uh, well, they yeah, you're right. They may you they can, may not now. So then, as Marbalau, I mean, that's the guy that then has to emerge emerge at rover unless you want to go really young. And go um, Simon Owusu-Koromoa and Shane Simon. I would be, I would be really surprised if Shane Simon didn't come in and just like get it right away. He's yeah. incredibly sharp um, and had a good week at the Army Bowl. Moved up on twenty four seven, or I think he's the second highest rated player in the class now uh, on our network. And remember, the spring first rep where we do a practice report has nothing to do with what it's going to look like because Drew Tranquil is a safety. Last year in the first spring rep. Yeah, and yeah he, but we knew he was going to Right, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Asmar Bilal will be the rover. Drew Trank will be the buck. And this is the first rep. And Tavon Coney will be the middle linebacker. And yeah. then that's not how it's necessarily going to play out. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should maybe we should just jump to basketball here real quick to wrap up segment one. Uh, or weekly. Will they or won't they make the NCAA yeah. tournament? Why? I, I, like I was stepping out before you. Yeah, you, you, you did. You, did. you were texting us I'm over gonna, the weekend. Like, even with a loss, I'm going to move to yes on Monday. I wanted to put it on record, and I knew they were going to lose to Clemson, or I figured Yeah, no, it was, so, it was a pretty... Now they fall to three so, and four. And, and look, I'm just... I just want to... I, I wanted to say it so that I wouldn't... Down the road, if it happens, like, oh, I thought that was going to happen. Right. I wanted to say it on the record. I realize that it might not, especially with Harvey being hurt and being out for for oh, a yeah. few more weeks uh, yeah. as well. But I do like a lot of the things that they're doing. Uh, they just didn't, they just, you know, most of the time, especially on the road, they just don't have enough offense. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to be smarmy about it, but, like, what are the things you like that they're doing? I, I, <laughs> I like what... I mean, even Gavin. before, even yeah, certainly Gavin, Gavin sure. is taking a leadership role. Even before what Mooney did on 
Saturday when mm-hmm. he scored 10 points in the first half. I thought he was making progress. Uh, we're, you know, Matt Farrell's a shell of who he was, and I think yeah. who he, he will still be. Uh, he hasn't shot well at all in his first two games back, which is is expected. He's not even a he's not even 100 percent, but he wasn't going to miss any more games. So, you know, Fluger on the road is the one. You know, when you're when you're a marginal shooter and then tr- go on the road and shoot, you're going to be a bad shooter. And and he, I think he kind of did what he had to do under the circumstances on Saturday because they needed to score, and he was left open a couple times and he let it fly. But between him and and Farrell, they were like four for. 21 and from, from three-point, obviously, you're like not a, going to win. I think it might have even been worse than that. Like, with Fluger, Farrell, and Gibbs, they were they were abysmal. Yeah, and Gibbs hasn't shot well on the road either, and but you got to like, keep putting the ball in his to hands. To me, that's, that, that is really one of my biggest concerns with Gibbs is, like, we've talked so much about, oh, his conditioning is so much better because he was so bad last yeah. year. He's not conditioned to play 37 minutes a game, I don't think. He was if averaging, it, before the Clemson game, more than 40 minutes yeah, a game in the ACC. That's not that's not sustainable. Yeah. But I don't know what their other no, option is. No, I would agree. I, yeah, I, and that's the biggest concern is, you know, these guys just getting worn out because they're going to have to play heavy, heavy minutes. There's no I, doubt. I didn't think they had enough offense in early December when they had Bonzi Colson and a healthy Matt Farrell. But, but that wasn't to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That was to make a run. Um, basically... Pete mentioned, what do you like about them? I like that they have stolen one game and kind of had two taken away in North Carolina, Louisville, and it's easily could be, quote-unquote, a 4-3 and three team, if you look at it that way. Uh, the North Carolina game had to be won. And the Louisville game, they were the team that had the chance to win all the time yeah. in the in the overtimes. The, the, we came out of the, you and I came out of the North Carolina yeah. game saying that was a game they should have won. Yeah. Um, they could have won Louisville, and then they kind of took yeah. away Syracuse a little it's bit. Not- Went poorly at the end, too, until the tip end, because they, yeah. they had that one under control. And, they did. They did. Um, basically, in these next coming games, you have a loss at Duke. You're going to have to win at Virginia Tech, because you can't have a five-game losing streak of three in a row at home. You mean you, at home. At home. You, you have yeah. to. And then you're going to have... Well, you got to win all five of your last home games, and which is what I'm counting on. Yeah, as, unless as you I, can find a way, I guess, to take these other... They're not taking all three of the at NC State, at BC, and at Wake. They're just not the team to do that right now. Yeah, those so teams they, need can all play. Two, they need two of those. They need two of them. Um, and can got, they be six and six? Can they be six and six going to Carolina and BC in mid-February? Because that includes Virginia Tech at home, at Duke, at NC State, home against BC, which is another absolute must-win. And then the kind of the tipping point one is home against Florida State. Um and home against Miami. Those are the That's two. Later two on, yeah, yeah, I know those. But those are. I'm not looking at quite the way you are. I'm just looking at the aggregate of the home games: Virginia Tech, Boston College, Miami, Florida State, Pitt. Obviously, Pitt's not very good. BC, you have to beat beat at home. Virginia Tech, you have to beat on Saturday night at Notre Dame. And Miami and Florida State, you should win at home. They'll be favored. I, you know, I kind of do look at it in the in the. They, they're fa- I mean, they're favored against. They're favorite against anybody if they have yeah. Farrell back there. That's the home right. favorite. That's the way it works in college basketball. But I kind of look at it as the you can't fall too far behind out of the committee, out of the this is a possible tournament team. Like if you're four and seven and you make a run, I'm not sure it's to Notre Dame's advantage. It's almost like you always got to be knocking on the door and get in at nine. Pittsburgh and nine. is the last. Re- I don't have yeah. Pittsburgh's schedule, the last regular season game um, at home. At home, um, they go at Virginia. That's a loss. Well, we've look. We're at Virginia, at North Carolina, yeah. at Duke. They're not going to win. Well, you can steal. Carolina falls asleep every other game. Yeah, but, I, um, I guess. Well, Wolford beat them at home. It's not impossible. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> but I, but just looking at and I keep using ten and eight. 
Because I just don't have, I don't trust the committee at nine and nine. I think the only way they get in is nine and nine, and they have uh, the backing of a committee with Fonzie Colson coming back, and a, and they're a team that is an NCAA tournament team the last three years. Okay, but my Mike point Gray is, is going to be talking a lot about Mike Bonzi. Bonzi oh yeah, being yeah. Back As, and yes, like, he no, we're, we're the team that that won Maui again. Like, okay, I mean that may or may not be true, but that's that's what they have to pitch. So, hard. so if you. You, you have to win those five home games, and you have to win two out of three of at Wake, at NC State, at BC. We're assuming the other three are losses. Every one of those, no, not every one. I mean, BC is probably the toughest of those three. Maybe NC State. NC State's NC playing better ball. Yeah. Uh, Wake certainly is beatable by just about anybody coming into their place right now. But I, look, I know it's difficult. Um, you know, I know they're shorthanded. I know Fluger can't shoot on the road. I, I know all of those things. I just wanted to. Say, I just wanted to say. I think Mike Bray's going to find a way somehow. Now, um, if they go ten and eight, he's the ACC coach of the year. <laughs> if they go nine and nine, they could get in out of reputation over the last few years, well, which you, is good because, look, seven years ago, nine and nine Notre Dame conference, not a chance they're getting in. But so, now they have a reputation. So what, of a team what do you think they're going to lose all the, the remaining? I think they're going to go nine and nine at best. Are they're, they're, I don't they're think they're going to go undefeated at home. They're not going to go. So no. they'll, they'll they'll lose to Miami or Florida State. I hear what you're saying. I'm just Virginia I guess Tech I'm is kinda... no picnic. No, I I know no, I, I, know. I, I, I know they have to win. It doesn't mean they're going to no, win. No, but but and there's still some familiar names yeah. there on that Virginia Tech team too. But uh, they haven't played well on the road. Uh, going into last weekend, uh, the five remaining home games Notre Dame had, those five teams were one and twelve on the road in the ACC. That helps. So. And one loss was Pittsburgh that Miami beat. So Pittsburgh's terrible. You know, um, they are. That, they are yeah, really I, good. Look, they they just don't have the horses right now. Not like there's nothing Mike Bray can do about how good a coach he is. Like their best player is out for the year, and their third best player remaining is now out for a month. And when he comes back, he's going to no, need Kevin time. would be their third remaining. Best. Okay, not good. Yeah. Four, four. You could yeah. say yeah. Like they're no, you got they're just too. they're I, just I, in I, trouble. They're in trouble. They're they, in trouble. They, they, no, I they get can't it. play guys forty minutes a night. I get it, but I just I, but <laughs> they started. Time, we, they we, started Austin Torres. Okay, like <laughs> that's where they are right now. They're starting a guy with no offensive game. He does some good things. He do, I mean, he no, does. He uh, how many times have we sat here and said... <laughs> he does a good thing. And, yeah. I, and this is a more dire situation yeah. than any of the ones that we've talked about yeah. since we started the podcast a couple years ago, but. Yeah, and and those were much better teams. I get it. I get it. I get it. I just, I just don't want to close. I I just can't close the door on them because I think they can win those five home games. Sure, they could. I, I think mean, they need a I, I just this team feels like the six and ten ACC or Big East team with Chris Quinn, where they're they just didn't have the horses. They played well, but they just lost a lot of close games. I think ultimately that's probably what's going to happen. They keep. Okay, and this is something uh, Mike Bray is clinging to, and it probably isn't worth anything because they've lost six out of seven games in which they've not only won the rebounding, but won it decisively. They've become a very good rebounding team. It's not showing up on the scoreboard, or it hasn't at this point, but that is an asset that they can carry forward with them. I think at the end, we will look back and see the Carolina and Louisville swing. That yeah, Notre Dame had the ball to win it four times in two games. 
Georgia, not getting either Georgia Tech in there, and not not again, not getting any of those. That's but they didn't play. They didn't play well there. I didn't think they didn't deserve yeah, to beat Georgia yeah. Tech. They I, had those I, teams, yeah. and those teams, and beating Georgia Tech doesn't resonate like beating Carolina on the committee's right. eyes too. So right. I think that does it. Um, but you're right. Look, ten and eight, they're in without even blinking an eye, and nine and nine, they have enough reputation to maybe get in. Just, Whereas they did not during the Chris Quinn, Chris and, Quinn days. In the scenario I'm painting is totally agree. I mean, to nine and nine, to get to nine and nine, f- win all five games at home and win one of your remaining. Road games out of six. I, I, I don't I don't buy nine and nine. I just want to th- I just want to throw it out there. I just want to be on record. If I'm wrong, you know I'm going to admit I'm wrong. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. Segment one. Put a question to our readers next. Irish Illustrated Insider. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana. Serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. Couple of questions from Twitter. First, a two-parter from Robert Ebert, and he wants to know what are the odds that Tavon Coney has a Manti tail like senior year? And part two, what do you think Alize Max's role will be on the team this fall? Tavon Coney had a Manti tail like junior year. Um, he was actually a little bit better than Teo, and Teo had great numbers aside from the interceptions his junior year. The Manti Teo senior year thing is weird because Teo did not have as many tackles for loss, as many stuffs, uh, but he had seven interceptions and created about 11 turnovers. So while I don't think you'll see that from Coney, if Coney has a, if Coney just improves, and I don't even mean because he didn't start all the kind, if he just improves his numbers, that's a better year playing the run and playing football than Manti Teo ever had at Notre Dame, aside from, of course, the game-changing interceptions. Uh, you know, I hope, I mean, I hope expectations aren't that he's got to play like an All-American from game one. I, I realize don't you think that, he's an All-American in the second half of the season this yeah, year? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I do. I just don't want people to be disappointed when he misses a tackle. You know, there's a, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a difficult, if it's a difficult position. I, look, he was great, man. I mean, he was, I, I, I think it was me that said, you, maybe he's <laughs> playing like game. an anti-tail. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, he was fantastic, and I and I hope that you know he's totally focused now. I, I I would you would think that he is because now he's got a viable NFL career. I don't know how long, but he's got a viable NFL career, and and I you know he should he's he's primed to have a great 2018 season. As far as Elise Mack, um, heck, I don't know. Do you? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't. You know, I mean, I just don't, I, I, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it <laughs> you know, I think Komet, I think we all feel like Komet has star quality. He hasn't done anything yet, but he has star quality. That's right. Wisher's a guy that, you you know, he'll have one good game, and you expect, okay, now Nick Wisher's going to emerge, and and then he disappears. You still have you still have Brock Wright, who I'm sure his role will expand a little bit from just being a blocking back. Uh, he has to overcome the shoulder surgery. Shoulder yeah, injury. he has that too. And then you have a couple of freshmen coming in that are good. So, um I mean, I, I don't have I don't have real high expectations for Elise Mack. I, I there there's no reason why he shouldn't emerge because he's ridiculously gifted. 
but if he plays the kind of football and doesn't have the focus like he did in 2017, then you'll get more of the same. I'm going to report on everything I see Alizé Mack do between the lines in the spring and August camp and make my assessment then and never under any circumstance in any column up until that point project him to do anything extraordinary ever again until I see him. I mean, unless we see, (laughs) unless we see, I mean, how how well did he play in those, we saw what, four practices? He was really good last spring at the end of the spring. I mean, unless he's like dominant every time we go out there. Even then. Even, Even then, then, I can't. He was he was the best weapon at the end of the spring last year. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I'm not talking about spring. I'm talking about all Right. Then yeah. I guess it'd be different. Yeah. yeah. As far as Cody goes, I mean, he played 200 fewer snaps than Miles Morgan and was way more productive wow. just if they had the same amount of snaps. So if he just, I think if he was as productive per snap next year as he was this year, but he plays 200 more snaps... That's that's realistic because um, they don't have linebacker depth. They're not going to have a four yeah, man for three spot rotation next year. The Tranquil and Coney are never coming off the field. I am totally fine with that as well. I think I think Coney's going to have a great senior year. Next Twitter question is from Jason Pausa. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name there, Jason. He just wants to know everything he hears about the quarterback competition next year is Wimbush, Book, and Jerkovic. Where does Avery Davis fit into that mix? Behind uh, Wimbush, Book, and Dirkovic. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Davis, I don't think a lot of people, I don't probably went past the board at some point. He was one of the guys not dressed for the bowl game with right. a pair, well, I shouldn't say a pair of shoulder injury, but a pair of arm injury. Um, we didn't ask Brian Kelly about it post game because yeah. they just won the Citrus Bowl on yeah. the last second. Remarkable catch. But Avery <laughs> Davis, I think, uh, is a distant fourth in the battle. Yeah, I don't, I mean, he, he, I don't. He doesn't have a realistic chance of, of moving up from that. Only injury would get him there. Um, you know, we've heard stuff about... And he's injured. And he's injured. And he himself is That really hurts yeah. him right now. Uh, you know, the passing aspect of his game, which I think we all expected when he was coming out of high school, is not is not his main asset. Um Pete? I mean, I don't like any kidding. Ascend no, beyond I, number four. I, I think he's in a tough spot right now. Um, they they recruited over the top of him in Jerkovic a long time ago, and, and we projected that. And Book is probably better than they think. Yeah. So the guy that he the guy that he was supposed to be recruited over the top of is actually quite a bit better um, than I think the staff probably thought. So it's and the guy that took him is now the head coach at Western Kentucky. So it's it's a difficult spot for Avery Davis. That's the nature of quarterbacks in college football today. Most of them transfer. Very few right. of them stay all four years. So you look at the four on Nuran's roster, the odds of all four of them Are staying all four is basically zero. It never and, happens. And you look at Avery Davis and say, this is the guy most likely to, to look for an opportunity elsewhere. And he, look, he, he should look for a better fit, offensive style. Don't you agree? Sure. I mean, I, I guess I don't know what that would be. I, I, I feel well, like I'm more what, run-oriented. I mean, I feel like last year's offense would have been fine in sort of a theory of like, what would you like Avery Davis to run? Uh, how about an offense that rushes for 3,000 yards? I mean, I think he would have been really good. Yeah. Um, you know, could he go to like uh, a Rich Rodriguez type system when he was at Arizona, like what Khalil they did with Khalil Tate? Maybe. Um, I don't really know what is going to be the next step for Avery Davis other than just competing in spring practice at Notre Dame. And we actually don't know that. We don't know the same. We, yeah, we, we do have to find that out. That's important to find out. Right. Is injury. Jake Jensen, 24. 
What are your thoughts on Javon McKinley transfer, or will he make an impact next season? I mean, I saw him at the bowl game. I didn't recognize him just because, you know, we don't we're not we don't see guys who don't dress or don't play a whole lot. Um, he was dressed. We should point out. He's a game. he's a thick dude. Uh, I mean that in a good way. And they've got ten scholarship receivers. Three of them are freshmen. Freddie Canteen has really not been healthy since he's been here. Um, I don't know what Jafar Armstrong can bring to the table yet. Michael Young is intriguing. Chris Fink, I think you know what the ceiling and the floor is there. Boykin may be a completely different player after yes. having the Citrus Bowl and the way it did. And Chase Claypool has been banged up. So and Michael Young is airplane. Yeah, stock up on Michael Young. But I'm just saying, you look at Javon McKinley, is he among the five best receivers on the team? Certainly will be during spring ball, um, which means you're getting second team reps almost exclusively. So if he he's a guy that has to make a move in spring. Yes. There are some guys that fit into like it's either now or never, and you feel like Javon McKinley is one of those guys, especially with Braden Lindsay and Kevin Austin coming in the summer. He caught a break. I mean, C.J. Sanders is gone. Equinemius St. Brown is gone. They all did. Kevin Stefferson <laughs> is gone. Uh, you know, it's loose enough. And this spring, Claypool's hurt well, for most it, of it. Right. I mean, yeah. So, he won't do anything. Yeah. I so, think. I mean, it, it, it certainly looks like a now or never type thing because you have another big receiver, Kevin Austin, coming in, who I think is great. Micah Jones is here for spring ball as an early enrollee. Uh, right. Okay. Micah Jones, who I thought had a, a much, much better senior year than junior year. So that's another big receiver. And you have Lindsey, and there's possibility of Lawrence Keyes. So, you know, and I, I realize that some of those guys like Lindsey and Keyes play would play a different position. But, I mean, it's clearly now or never. He has three years of eligibility. Um, they burn a year of eligibility as a freshman, but preserve this one. But, the, you know, the the big thing is coming off that the injury and the severity of it, and will he be able to participate? I guess my my opinion on McKinley from the outside changed a little when I thought this year was, you know, he, he wasn't back fully healthy from the injury, and that's why it was wise to redshirt him. And then you hear Brian Kelly mention traits in the middle of the year about why he's not playing. Yeah. And that's not the same thing as, like, oh, he just wasn't fully healthy, so we're going to redshirt him. So if Brian Kelly mentions traits – in a negative way at all in the spring regarding Javon McKinley, you know the end of that story. Uh, if they if he doesn't look, we're talking about all these freshmen coming in. Two years ago, if you just said, you know what's what's the status of a guy like uh, Amir Carlisle with Javon McKinley coming in as a freshman? I'd be like, oh, Javon McKinley's coming yeah. in as a freshman. That's obviously he's going to take a spot. So we don't know about that yet. But if if Javon McKinley doesn't make a move. In the spring, it's over. And we would all be disappointed. It is. Yeah, yeah, completely. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, completely I mean, over. But like, like your, your example there. Not the program as much yeah. as his career. We've got a freshman coming in. We, I mean, we all think that Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay, I and I, I don't know about you guys about Lawrence Keys, but I think he's great too. And I actually I like mean, those I, guys better than, but McKinley was, was he 114th in the aggregate for yeah. 24-7. When I used to work for another website, he was the 55th rated player in the country. Right. I mean, I, so I, coming I, in, that I, would be a pretty big deal. Yeah, you know, it wasn't I, as high. On I actually him had Stefferson higher than him, but and Claypool. However, I did not have him below everybody on Notre Dame's roster. Yeah, yeah so below Chris Fink, right. essentially. Yeah. You know, it's like what I I like Lindsey and Kevin Austin yeah. too. I also really like Justin Brennan out of high school. So whatever. Sr fifty four fifty two. Do you think the staff would explore playing Dalen Hayes at linebacker? It would get both him and Julian Okwara on the field at the same time. He could still be used as a pass rusher. Where would NFL teams be more likely to play him? 
So is he saying rover, basically? Because I don't know what their position. Well, I mean, are. don't they? Put, they they were on the field in past first situations. Yes. Dalen Hayes yeah. and Julian O'Quarr were on the field together, so that's not an issue. He's not moving. Um, no, you no. That's no. the one-two punch, and in the in the nickel and the dime, they're they're, they're together. Yeah. So they have what they. Now what he's they got. Have to, what he's he's got to be. He he can't disappear like we talked about many times in games where it's like. I, I just, where's number nine? I, he's out there, but he's just not around the football. He needs to, he needs to get better against the run. As a defensive end for this team, he had a sneaky, disappointing season. Yeah, because it started out where he was having a sneaky, decent season, even yeah. though the numbers weren't there as yeah. much, and then all of a sudden, he just disappeared completely. You're right. And you know what? We're not going to be going into next August saying, "Well, Dalen Hayes is the best pass rusher. What else can they get?" Because Julian Aquara is the best pass rusher. Yeah I, yeah, I think it's really important for him and for Notre Dame that his game becomes more well-rounded. And it's his third year. He could, we, we might have jumped the gun on him a little bit. He's a sophomore starting for the first time that never played that position no, before, and yeah, he, no he probably did jump the gun no, a little. No doubt. And and it's you need to be fair. I mean, a guy's right. gotta, that guy's got to have an opportunity to adapt. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Ju- I mean, junior year is where it should happen yeah. for him. Yeah, and it probably will yeah. for him, Okwar, and Khalid Kareem. Love the ND9. By the halfway mark of the season, what would be your guess for how many freshmen will be in the 2 deep or at least making an impact? A couple uh, of freshman receivers will make an impact. Um, at least will. one. I don't, at I don't know if they will. At least one. At least one. Okay, at least one and freshman I, receiver will make an I'm, impact. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here. I'm including Keys. I might be jumping if the gun here, but I think Nardin's going to make an impact. I think that's an overhauled position this year. I don't know why Jafar Armstrong couldn't make an impact. There's nobody you could rely on. Other than, you're right, that Miles Boykin could just be a different human being after that, the way he's ended that. But he's still got to run away from people more often. Well, Michael yeah, Young certainly just on, throw the him on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> right, jump over them. <laughs> you know the, the play, Michael. The touchdown, on Michael Young scored in a bowl game. I, mean, I love Michael Young. Right, you got the, <laughs> I mean, he's record. on the uptick. That's a guy who found a seam. Um, you know, Ian Book rolled his left, made a play that Brandon Winbush never in a million years could have made, and it helped them win the game. There's still opportunities for wide receivers. Uh, okay, and so we're getting other, on track. Yeah. Right. What so other players? other freshmen. Um, I, you know, I wrote down Simon, Pete. I agree with you there. I think one way or another, he's certainly in the two deep uh, or, or making an impact in, in situations. Derek Allen, you know, we, we hear we hear every year, regardless who the, the defense coordinator is, that safety's the hardest position to play. I think Derek Allen's going to make I, an impact. Yeah, I do, but I still think Derek Allen's going to make an impact, and I think Jack Lamb is great. on the depth chart uh, with a good chance that Jerkovic is as well. Yeah, the Jack Lamb thing is interesting in that Tranquil and Cohen, well, let's just say Tranquil, I mean, you're, you're not taking too many reps, as Pete pointed out, but if for some reason Tranquil, it doesn't work out for the Rovers and Tranquil has to play Rover, Jack Lamb all of a sudden becomes That's a guy why, that plays more. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. You know, can Tranquil hold up for that many Can the reps Rovers that, be good? They have a great Rover in Drew Tranquil. So right. if they're not, if they can't do it, they have yeah, a let's, they can do it. You know, you've got... You've got three linebackers, and you've got three linebackers that are early entry freshmen, right? A linebacker's going to make an impact in some way. Yeah, I would think. I would think so. And a quarterback. Bauer's also there. I'm not sure that he. Lamb is the guy that's the the most likely. Lamb's to make the guy. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Lamb will have some role. If we're talking too deep, I would be surprised if Lamb was not a backup uh, next year. Probably back. I would say. And back, Simon backing up. Yeah, Simon and Lamb as backups. Derek Allen as a backup. Houston Griffith, I'd like to see him be a backup. 
Um, you know, Jason Adamalola. Could he be your fourth defensive tackle? Maybe beat out Heinish? Can he just be, or could he just have a similar role that Heinish did this year? And Heinish has the same role. Yeah, it's like I really don't care if you're the second or the third. As long as you play and hold your gap. Yeah, but but, but you still have. Bonner and MTA. At I just like tackle. the rotation of good players inside. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I don't know that Amalola plays nose, that's that's what I'm yeah. saying. Well, Jameer Smith as well. Jameer Smith will probably be, a, be yeah, he'll too be deep. on the depth chart. Like it or not, Jameer Smith is going to get a lot of work during Inle- practice. Unless Mick Asaph beats him out in the spring. Yeah, that's possible. What about too. the quarterback? And not in the two deep. What this is by midseason, by halfway mark of the season. Yeah, I I think my opinion on that has changed after like. We were talking about, well, Miles Blanken could just be a completely different guy because of the Citrus Bowl. I think Ian Book's probably going to be, too. Like, Ian Book's not going to walk into practice with the same attitude that he did last year. He's like, dude, I can play. I played. I wasn't saying I was on the field when we won the game. I think Ian Ian Book probably will hold off Phil Jerkovic for longer than maybe I would have expected on January 1st at 10 a.m. I'm just saying one of the two guys that loses the job isn't going to hold off Phil Jerkovic mentally. Is it Jerkovic or Jerkovic? I'm saying Jerkovic. Yeah, it's Jerkovic. I had been saying Jerkovic until saying Jerkovic. said Jerkovic right. earlier, so I copied him. Okay. He does recruiting. So there was... <laughs> <laughs> Jerkovic. I, you know, I just, just last thing about Jerkovic, I, some, I was listing in order, you know, one through how we're going to have to rank them. And I had Jerkovic behind three guys, I think. Maybe, yeah. Because I just... Overall, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I just don't... I, you. It's one thing in high school just to throw the ball all over the yard. It's another thing to read defenses on this level. And you know he didn't have a real good. Where'd he go? What, what all star game was he? Army. He didn't have a good week there, right? No, no, at I'm all. Just, I'm more along the lines of I watched Notre Dame's quarterbacks last year, and I'm thinking it could change a little from a new guy coming in. I don't have a, I, know, I don't have I mean, a lot on Notre Dame's court. I, I don't I, I don't put a lot into it right I, now. But I have. I, Ian Book's going to be better. I'm not sure that Brandon Wimbush will be better, but we we all feel Ian Book will be better, right? Yeah, I think he'll improve. JPF five hundred five with the new roles being filled on the coaching staff. What hires from the past did your initial impression differ from the actual outcome of that coach's tenure? I.e. Tenuta, Brown, Light, Sanford, Lafleur, BVG, etc. I really liked, uh, you guys want to turn me off for the rest of your lives, John Tenuta and BVG when they were hired, <laughs> so my perceptions changed after they were done. Um, I did not like the Corwin Brown hire for the position at the time, that kind of worked out. Uh, LaFleur, I didn't know enough about, but it turns out he's a pretty good football coach, despite uh, his one year here, because he's how highly would, thought of in the yeah, NFL. How would so, we have known that he uh, was? Really liked the Sanford hire at the time. I think everybody at University liked the Sanford hire, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I was most wrong about uh, Tenuta. I would have put a lot into Tenuta being a good defensive coordinator, a very good defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I, I can't believe that Van Gorder was as bad as he was. Right, that, that's weird. But I think I really, I thought I can't believe that Tenuta had to be fired from me. I had a bad defense. I can't believe Tenuta didn't work out at all for Notre Dame. Uh, I would. Can I, you really? I mean, no. I mean, I thought he was I a think, better football coach. I yeah. knew he was a pain in the ass, yeah, but, but I thought he was a better football coach. Yeah, I think Tenuta would have to be high on my list of like I thought this guy was good and he was bad. Um, yeah. BVG, I didn't. I was like, eh. I just liked him well, from the Georgia the days because I was down there. I guess I thought he would. But the first lived in Georgia. No, because I want a reason to like him. <laughs> because no, I watched him coach. The we had the, the same home state. He has to be good. <laughs> I watched him coach Georgia on a thirteen one defense. It just I thought he would be. But didn't I didn't think he'd be the worst coordinator I, in the history yeah, of the see, team. I, I agree with that. But didn't you like the first time 
that we got together with him and and interviewed him and he talked. Didn't you think, really? Wow, I'm not sure. I'm not. You know, I, I had questions at that moment that he was going to be able to relate to the players. Now, I never imagined that would be that his defense would be so complicated that they, he couldn't possibly uh, transfer that information into their heads. Everybody was high on the Sanford hire, right? At the, I mean, that was always a good, high, yeah. a good, solid hire at the time. I think, I think Sanford presents himself mm-hmm. maybe even better than he actually is right. as a coach. Yeah. If that is a way to put it, I would it. agree with you. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, didn't we all say when Tyrone Williams hired Steve Wilkes in two thousand four, this guy's a future NFL head coach oh, because geez. he is right now. <laughs> That's with ridiculous. the Arizona Cardinals. That is ridiculous. Really? Actually. Yeah. When did that happen? I just, it just happened? Just today. Podcast Jinx. Almost happened. Well, I will well say, that was like the uh, the finalist for the Titans job was <laughs> Mike Vrabel, <laughs> Matt LaFleur, and Steve Wilkes. Holy Two one-year Notre Dame assistants. I, I will say, I didn't think... I, I mean, I thought Keith Gilmore would still be the defensive line coach. I thought... I thought... I, I guess I always liked Mike Elson so much as a defensive line coach, I was biased to thinking why they bother with that move. They could have just done yeah. a different move, but... It wasn't anything against Gilmore. It was just that I... You know, and then you, like, Sheldon Day's reaction when Irish Illustrated broke the news that Keith Gilmore was not going to be uh, coaching in Notre Dame any longer. I mean, I guess I just thought that he would have a greater impact and wouldn't be gone after two years, right? It was just two years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it had nothing to do with Elston. Just that right. I thought... Yeah, he, yeah, I think I... Know. It's just... It's... This is the same thing as we were talking about in second one. It's really difficult to evaluate assistant coaches because we're not like in the hallways saying like this guy works well with this guy or who who gets credit for players developing. Right. It's, it's hilarious to me as I've gone through and combed offensive line coaches. How many people take credit for one player? I mean, there there must be six assistant coaches taking credit in their bio for every one player who had success. If if you're an offensive line coach, you're taking credit for the running back having a great year. You know, it's just it it's it's wild. So well, it's just got, it's just difficult to evaluate. Sports info people have to fill out the bio. Yeah, or something, yeah right? it's, they, so they, they, they do star pupils forever because the NFL is always part of the media guides now. Much more, much bigger part in the last 15 years for media guides of the NFL. So that's can we take a shot of Birch here somehow? <laughs> in some way, he'll be listening. <laughs> you can text Priester, Mike. Uh, n- next up, Perm. Understanding we could still land Sebo Flemister, a running back recruit, or a grad transfer running back. Who are the realistic candidates for a position switch? To uh, we back? already tipped our hand. Mick Asaf, the walk-on yeah. receiver, who definitely a running back now, based on uh, Nick Asaf's tweet at me. Yeah. With the sleeping emoji that then was favorited or retweeted by Brian Kelly, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, I was and like wow, I mean, we can we can, we can laugh and 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 have fun with with McAsaf, but I mean, he's two hundred ten pounds and they need bodies. I mean, it's a guy that obviously he's moving to that position, but I think the question is being asked as far as um, you know, guys, scholarship players moving right. to that position, and it's. I mean, somebody mentioned Javon McKinley to me. I don't think that that's a fit at all. No. He's a wide receiver. Uh, the possibility of Holmes coming back is probably as that's the that's the most likely yeah addition from right. the, from the scholarship right between now and next August. It's probably it's totally in CJ Holmes's hands as to whether he's back or not. Yeah, I don't know. Could you move Jafar Armstrong? Yeah, you know that what? would be there a name that be, yeah, because he has. I did write that down because he has. He appears to have the body that could 
And if CJ Holmes doesn't come back, they have to move. This is a good question because if CJ Holmes doesn't come back, they absolutely 100% have to move a scholarship player in August to running back because they don't have enough bodies to make it through a year. Think about what happened this year when you're going to the Miami (laughs) of Ohio game and you have... Every running back has an ankle injury. Well, that would knock out all the scholarship running backs without CJ Holmes. Yeah, you know, it's like, could you put Braden Lindsay there? Um, you know, spot duty as a freshman. I, I think you're really gonna have to patch. Yeah, that. I mean, there's there, there no with, good answer with to a it. guy. We're just like, we're just moving you there for this year. I know that's not really where you want to play, but for the good of the team, we're gonna have to do this. They did that um, in 2011 with Cam McDaniel right. to corner, and Kelly said it's one year. McDaniel, I've talked to McDaniel about it. He said I was totally open to it, and I turned around, walked back in the office one second later, and said, "To reiterate, it's one year, right?" So <laughs> I think that will be something wow. that could happen again. Because... And it's like, look, you never know how it's going to shake out with Kavari Russell enrolled as a running back, moving right. corner, and it being a three and a half year starter is playing in the NFL. Um, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Nick Coleman because he's the guy with yeah. with running back experience. But how do you ask a guy that? I mean, he was a starter all last year. How do you ask a guy at this stage of his career to make that move? They don't in the spring because they don't need to because you just have the you have the walk-ons. Look, they had two scholarship running backs in the 2011 spring, and that's when they had Tyler Plants yeah. being involved because they just yeah. didn't get the freshman in yet. Right. They will have walk-ons running the ball in the spring, plenty, including McAseff. But in August, you can ask Nick Coleman to make that move if he is not a starting safety. They're probably right? looking for preferred walk-on running backs now. I, Pete, you... Uh, the kid from Virginia Tech is going to Colorado. Yeah, Trayvon McMillan. So I just don't, I don't really see that as I'm. Yeah, an option. and Jeremy Smith, that was a name that was thrown out on our message board. He he came into Louisville as a as a, as a JC. So, so it's kind of hard to see how that would fit. That's too. not going to work. Next one from Wash ND. Since no coach since Rockney has lasted more than eleven seasons, is BK's longevity at ND going to start to hurt his ability? to bring in quality coaches and to recruits because of the reality is his time at ND is probably near the end one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, but not if he wins 11 games this year. I mean, I, I, you, you, 11's a number just because nobody's exceeded it. But if he continues to build upon last year's success, well, then that, that year total doesn't really matter. I think eventually mm-hmm. it still matters, don't you? Yeah. He wouldn't just coach four years for the freshman eventually? I think it matters more on message boards than in reality. Um, I think for coaches... It would matter in the sense of like, do you hire a young up and coming guy who's going to be with you for six years, who you can sort of grow into like a potentially elite mm-hmm. assistant coach, or do you hire a guy who's more like out of the box, ready to go, uh, a veteran type of assistant? I think you have to hire more of the veteran type of assistant type guy because um, Brian Kelly's not going to be here in six years. I, I okay I, for recruits. I mean, yeah, they I come get, to Notre Dame. I get. Yeah, I get what you're saying there, but what I'm saying is that if you wins 31 games in three years, we're not thinking about we're not thinking about Brian Kelly at the end of his run. Right. So if he wins May. 11 games this year, or 10 games this year, right. he's clearly coming back to coach because he would want to keep building on it. There's not, I mean, only, the only way you're like, well, I win, I won 11 games, I can go coach somewhere else in the NFL. But you would think if he wins 10 or 11 games, he would want to build on it and try to win, go to the playoffs the next year, right? <laughs> And Pete, you're making faces like he's not going to win 31 games in three years. Well, he, have to win, right. he has to win 10. Yeah, that's exactly the face that I made. He has to I win. Get it. I get it. All right, well, I, I wasn't thinking. Let's say he could win 9 and 11 then. Yeah. Let's put it that way to go 31. That would be the only way. You're not probably not going 10 and 11 because he's never done 10, 10, and 11. But let's say you go 10, 9, and 11. Yeah, no, I mean, I right, get where you're coming from. I don't think you so understand not. where I'm coming from, too, sure. but we yeah. just don't think that it's likely that that happens. I just think he asked a good question in that he's in year 9. Is year 11 
I, I, Pat, I guess I look at it like, that makes sense? it depends how well they play the yeah. next couple years. Assistant coaches move around so much anyway. I don't think that really makes a huge amount. But, you know, in the case of Mike Elko, where it's like, well, I can make a lot more money over here. And I know there's like absurd job security in addition to absurd compensation. I'm going to make that move. I'm going to make the jump. Um, but I think for in most real world assistant coach hires, like you're only getting a two or a three year deal yeah. anyway. With recruits, at some point this will creep up on Notre Dame. I don't think it's happening yet, and I think for the most part, the guys that have signed with Notre Dame probably will sign yeah, with Notre Dame never. regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who the head coach was, or if, I mean, at some point Brian Kelly's not going to be the head coach here. But I think at that point, their recruiting class will probably still be just fine. It's not going to be like the Weiss, Willingham, Davy transition yeah. class. You have a re- I mean, right now you have a rejuvenated Brian Kelly. We don't know how long that's going to last, but. I mean, this past year, his, his players spoke frequently and openly about how he had changed and, and was communicating with him better. So yeah, and we all were impressed by it. I just year nine is three years away from exceeding Rockney. It's still a long nine, ten, and eleven. Is. There's a fourth year there. It's mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. Eleven years is a long time. Yeah, and Brian those... Kelly has alluded to not coaching the Ohio State game. He'll be on a beach sipping my ties. So at some point, what year is that? Twenty two. Uh, I don't know, but it's somebody was asking on the board about him breaking Rockney's all-time win record, which I was like, well, that's impossible. But it's really not. If he stays four more years, it will happen, most <laughs> likely, by the in, at some point during that fourth oh, year. Notre Dame fans will have an opinion about that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, but that's like Brian, Brian Kelly as the 12th year head coach at Notre Dame. That's like, what this is asking. Yeah. I don't think Brian Kelly sees himself oh, yeah. as yeah, a maybe 12th not. year I, head I just, coach. I just, if, 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 they had, if the success from this past year continues for a couple of years, I think the whole perspective yeah. is a little bit different. But we, I, yeah, I agree. Because it's like, I think Brian Kelly's opinion of the job when he said, well, who, you can't stay in this job for more than 10 years, was probably made during when the set of circumstances of what the job entailed was different than what it entails now. Right, and he was he was the he was the guy that was making the offensive decisions at that yeah. time. So maybe he's changed his opinion. So on will that. they have a like they did with Bray, they had a countdown in the arena, three ninety two, three ninety are they gonna Hell have Bray? No. They will not they will not have such a thing. <laughs> they, uh, no way. <laughs> well I mean Unless they win 31 games, win 31 games the next two years, you could have a countdown. <laughs> good, <All right. laughs> good, good question, though. It good was. Uh, food for thought. ND fan 18, all of you from left to right, give me your starting offensive line for next year. Well, Mustafer at center. <laughs> <laughs> Mustafer at center, although there is, you know, Rulin may be. Are we talking about the, the Michigan game? Yes, Michigan. Okay. My left to right, Hainsey, Rulin, Mustafer, Bars. Kramer. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. That's outside the box, Samson. <laughs> Mine is Hainsey, Bars, Mustafer, Kramer, and then uh, I'll default to Eichenberg. I think it could be Lug. Mine is Hainsey, Bars, Mustafer, Kramer, Lug. Okay. There was... I think Eichenberg missed his opportunity last August. And and you know how much yeah. they Well, love, two they guys beat Lug. him out, so that's one way of looking at it, right? Yeah, I think they like yeah. both those guys a lot, but there's only five jobs. Um, I also I also would say the same thing about next year's offensive line that I said about this year's offensive tackle at right on the right side that they'll have more than one starting lineup next year. You know what what they start against Michigan won't so be, I, won't so be what they start. Eichenberg and Lug will both play. Is that yeah? Uh, Ruland, that's that's interesting. 
Um, Starting guard back up center, you're saying? I wonder if... To open air. I mean, I wonder if Mustafa okay. moves to guard. Mm, I don't think so. I think okay. I think they want a smart, experienced dude in that okay. position. All right. That I mean, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I'm just... Since Rulin made his mark in their minds as a center, I was just wondering yeah. if they would go in that direction. It'll be interesting. You know... On offense, the the formation of the offensive line, we'll speculate about that through the spring. We'll, we may speculate about that into August. And then the linebackers and Tranquil, is he Rover, is he, is he Buck, unless they make a defensive move in the spring. Those will be two areas that we'll be talking about for I a while. I tell you what, Robert Hainsey was not on this January list last year to start at right tackle. For better name football. No. It uh, was in the summer, though. He was, but I not mean, now. This is, I mean, we did not yeah. think a true freshman would beat out either Eichenberg or Kramer. And in reality, he beat out one and almost beat out the other. And yeah. it's a, what a nice little advantage to have. Despite losing McGlinchey and Nelson, who were remarkable, you still have technically, or you still have four starters returned. Return. Yeah, they have four guys that started. Yeah. That's, that's fair to say. It's four yeah. guys. All right, we'll wrap up on a uh, sort of inside joke with our podcast, since something always happens after we're done recording. Irish by the Sea wants to know, predict what bad thing will happen after today's podcast is recorded. You got something? Well, yeah, after the last few minutes on the <laughs> offensive line, clearly one of these guys is going to out for the year transfers. Oh, so, no. <laughs> we, we, we just spent enough time on the great offensive uh, line they have coming back. I don't think it'll be anything drastic outside of recruiting, like somebody like... <laughs> The you biggest know. decommit ever? Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no. You can't, you can't have that. No, I, I just mean guys that they're shooting for. Like, you know, I, I know a lot of people want another corner. Noah Boykin, maybe they don't They don't get him. Uh, you know, Julius Irvin, Jarrett Patterson. People have their hopes up now about getting Jarrett Patterson. Suspension season's almost over, right? Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. So many things close. have happened yeah. up to this point that there's got to be one post-podcast that where there isn't something... Drastic. Muffet McGraw resigns to coach the Los Angeles Sparks. <laughs> that's my prediction. All right, on that note, that's Irish Illustrated Insider for this week. We'll be back next week. Coaching staff should be rounded up by then. We'll have another uh, week. Probably of, in a couple minutes yeah. as it goes through. Yeah, as it goes. Recruiting evaluations, maybe a commitment or two for Notre Dame, perhaps some new offers as well. But until then, Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley, Tim Priester, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.